911, what's your emergency? America's healthcare system is broken and people are dying. Welcome to Code Whack, where we shine a light on our callous healthcare system, how it hurts us, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Brenda Gazar. This time on Code Whack. What unique challenges do men with breast cancer face when it comes to healthcare? How do insurance companies make getting certain tests more difficult for some cancer patients? We recently spoke to Nilton Fonseca, a husband and father of three from the greater Los Angeles area who was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2020. He's an engineer with more than three decades of construction project experience, both domestically and abroad. Welcome to Code Whack, Nilton. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. You are among the roughly 2,600 men in the United States who is diagnosed with breast cancer each year. Since less than 1% of breast cancers happen in men, that must have been quite a shock. Yes, yes, it was a very, very big shock because I never imagined in the remotest possibilities that this is something that could have happened to me because I've uh, generally been very diligent and conscious about my health, uh, having regular annual checkups. Uh, no matter where I was in the world, even when I was living in Asia, I made a point of getting thorough uh, medical checkups. And I you know, had no history in my family from both my dad and mom's side of any cancer at all. So I never imagined uh, cancer ever striking me. <laughs> Right. And so how were you diagnosed? Started out as a uh, dull pain on my chest, on my right breast. Um, started possibly in 2019. This was the, the middle of the year, more or less, down in the summer. The pains started out of the dull pain and it ebbed and flowed. And then towards the fall of 2019, it was typically on weekends. There were some of the weekends when I felt more, more of the pain. And when I look back, it's something that because I was very busy with work back then, life was going at 100 plus miles an hour. It never really occurred to me to like to pay more attention to my body, to what, what my body was saying. But there was a couple of weekends, two weekends in a row where I felt these intense uh, pangs of pain in my chest and specifically the second weekend after that. And that um, I ended up going to an urgent care to have it checked out. And the uh, attending physician then examined me, did a physical examination, and uh, he determined that I, I had what uh, at that time felt like a small lump on my right breast. And then he um, referred me to the uh, Women's Imaging Center for a mammogram and an ultrasound, a breast ultrasound. Wow, interesting. To the Women's Imaging Center. Yes, men don't typically get tested for this kind of condition. And, you know, even family doctors don't typically talk to men about, uh, you know, um, examining themselves or checking their breasts uh, for lumps. And, you know, so locally where I live in the Redondo Beach, Torrance area, there's an imaging center. Yes, and, and that's the name. It's called the Women's Imaging Center. <laughs> wow. How did you feel being referred to the Women's Imaging Center? Well, it felt a bit weird, but I knew that, uh, you, know, you know, it was just a name. You know, you know, the machines are all the same, whether you go for an MRI or an x-ray machine. They don't discriminate against sex. <laughs> and I knew that I had to do it uh, because it's something that I never like to, you know, you know leave and not, you know, you know and, and be intimidated by it. It's something that I, I see it as almost like a beast and i got to face it. It's uh, <laughs> face that fear. And, uh, and I wanted to get it done as soon as possible. Right, right. Well, I'm so sorry you went through all that. What distinct challenges did you face as a man dealing with breast cancer? When you were being treated, for example, did you feel like the programs and support services met your needs? 
the only thing that I saw that was really more oriented towards women was actually at the Women's Imaging Center. Uh, the forms that I had to fill in when I got there, including my medical history, that was more geared towards women where it asked questions such as if you're pregnant or uh, when, when did you have your last period or when did you have your last mammogram. And obviously you, you don't see many other men there. And also because this, this happened during, during uh, the pandemic, it was in March, although just uh, backtracking a bit, when I was uh, when I went to the urgent care center for that pain was back in from memory around November. And then I tried to schedule an appointment right afterwards. It was also I had some issues with getting the insurance approval for that because they approved for one breast. And then the imaging center then, you know, uh, contacted the doctor again saying, no, it's going to be two breasts and, uh, you know, examine two breasts. So I had to get that reapproved. Then I was ready to schedule. Then it was like a, at least three month waiting period. And then at that point in time, I had to go out of state for work and the pain coincidentally sort of went away. And, uh, you know, so I was out of state. It was only due to the pandemic when everybody then had to come back home and work from home that I then, you know, you know, managed to get an appointment scheduled. And I went in as soon as that, you know, they had availability. And that was in March, late March. And at that time, yes, so uh, people were not allowed to have any any other guests with them was just individuals going in. So it was just I think I was the only male on that day in that center. The rest were all ladies there waiting in the waiting room as well. Tell me more about working with your health insurance company. You mentioned you had trouble getting your insurance to pay for your mammogram. Because they they had only approved for one breast. What the imaging center later told me is that typically these are done on two breasts. And I think by, by default, the insurance company only approved one side. So that was a, a challenge in itself. The mammogram took a bit longer than necessary because when you go through an HMO, everything has to be pre-approved. And because this is out of the routine, it, it's not a system approved uh, procedure. It has to be looked at by a real person, <laughs> maybe a medical director or something who has to review it for medical necessity. And he or she then has, has to approve it. And then if for whatever reason, once it's approved, it then goes to the imaging center, then the imaging center, nope, it's not correct. You need to also get the other breast approved. <laughs> so then you go back to the beginning of the line again and then wait. And then sometimes it can't really be modified right away. That's per my understanding. It's the original physician who entered in the referral request in the system has to log back in and, you know, resubmit again, resubmit the request again. But I think after I was diagnosed with cancer, some some of these approvals in terms of the surgery itself, the breast surgery and the MRI following it, that was approved relatively quickly because I was diagnosed also with um, infected uh, lymph nodes. The cancer had spread to my lymph nodes uh, because I had a lymph node dissection and there was about memory about 12 lymph nodes removed underneath the armpit because typically the breast tissues when they they drain in the lymphatic system they drain to your sentinel nodes below below your arms and out of those because the cancer had spread to the lymph nodes i the indications were that i had to have chemotherapy and uh, per my understanding uh, each patient before they undergo chemotherapy especially due to breast cancers there is a, a genetic uh, test which is typically done it's called the onco d type test those are typically routinely approved, you know, so that the oncologist can then sort of plan out the uh, chemotherapy uh, uh, drug cocktails that you end up taking. But in my case, it was rejected on the basis that there's not enough data on men. <laughs> so to justify this test being approved. So we appealed to that and they rejected it. And so it's one of those chicken and egg things. If you don't test enough men, you don't get enough data on men. So in discussions with my oncologist at, at that time, 
she mentioned to me, look, you know, let it go. We'll just go on, on a more conservative uh, treatment approach in terms of chemotherapy. So, so I had, you know, had to start chemotherapy right afterwards. Uh, was around uh, after I was uh, healed enough. I had my surgery literally 20 days after the diagnosis. And then I started chemotherapy about a month after that, after I was well enough to go back in because I had to go back into the OR to also get a, a chemotherapy port implanted into my chest. So that's where they inject chemotherapy. They don't, they try to avoid doing it through your veins uh, in, in your arms these days uh, so as to not damage, damage the blood vessels in your arms. So I started the chemotherapy right there in May and that lasted until the end of the year. 2020, right. How did you feel, Nilton, when the insurance company didn't want to approve this genetic test for you? Very, very disappointed. <laughs> I would say a bit angry in the beginning, but uh, anyways, my, uh, my oncologist calmed me down. She said, look, it's fine. She said, we know you have to do chemotherapy, so you'll have to let it go. Just just focus on your health. And at that time, I was, I think I'd made a conscious decision as well not to dive too, too deep into the different types of treatments or what ifs and whatnots. Uh, maybe taking a little bit out of, uh, you, know, you know, my... Uh, career playbook is I, I I approach this as almost like a project and I said okay it, it's a project and I need to see it through to the end and uh, and I was just focused okay got to get through the chemotherapy and then after that yes I, I was disappointed because I do know that they are they are in the business of making money ultimately so so if they can redu- reduce costs uh, so be it right right wow how are you doing today health-wise my cancer's in remission, thankfully, and right now I'm just on regular, call it surveillance um, protocols with with the oncology team. I see my oncologist every three months, and my radiation oncologist once every six months. I actually just had an, you know appointments with both of them in these last couple of weeks. I'm also on a maintenance medication now for at least five years. It's a hormone hormone therapy that I'm taking, so. Luckily for me, it's not giving me any side effects because the medication I'm on sometimes do give uh, some of the women that take it and even some men like menopause-like symptoms. <laughs> so, so for me, I've been blessed in that respect. It's, it's, I haven't had any adverse effects from, from that medication. It's something that I'm, I'm on now for, the, for at least the next five years mm-hmm. to prevent well, the cancer from coming back. And, and now also, since I've had the cancer... I now have to have a mammogram done at least once a year on my healthy breast that I still have. Thank you, Nilton Fonseca. Tune in next week to hear more of Nilton's story and why he supports Medicare for All. Do you have a personal story you'd like to share about our WAC healthcare system? Contact us through our website at heal-ca.org. Find more Code WAC episodes on progressivevoices.com and on Nurse Talk Media. You can also subscribe to Code WAC wherever you find your podcast. This podcast is powered by Heal California, uplifting the voices of those fighting for healthcare reform around the country. I'm Brenda Gazar.